The following content is not suitable for children. Gee, we're going to do a Q&A today. I love and Q&As, Lori. I know. I know. Me too. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. This came from Instagram. So we get questions on Instagram. We get questions by email, which is great. We are now inundated. So I used to get back to all of them with just a little something and and not so much anymore. I'm so sorry, but we do read them all and we try to let these questions focus our content. So please keep them coming. Okay. So I want to talk about this one because it's, it really is a common one and I want to see what we can do with it. This person, and I don't think I say their name here, but I absolutely love your podcast. Thank you regarding pursuers and withdrawers. My question is, how do you help somebody who doesn't prioritize their own pleasure or what should I do? My wife and I have been married for 18 years, and she doesn't want to masturbate or focus on herself. When we go to the bedroom, she's never thinking what she wants. It's all about being there for the ride, pun intended. Ha ha, that was a good one. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very focused on her pleasure, so she does get a really good experience, but it's not as much as she deserves. Hmm. I think someone who's willing to put in the work and prioritize their own pleasure because that's what it takes to take the pressure off me during sex, I would appreciate any suggestions about what is going on. And do you have any books or podcasts? Well, we have a lot of podcasts. Um, Feels like this is the elusive question we're always trying to answer, right? It's the million dollar question. How do you get that person who doesn't want to engage or do the work or figure themselves out or try to explore their own desire. Like, cause if you get people to do that, then you're there, you know, that's the hardest step is that first step to try, try to look at yourself. No. Yeah, I think so. And you said this a while back, something about this, like men want women who want it for themselves. And I think what that, this guy is saying, it takes the pressure off me. You know, like mm-hmm. if I know, if I can depend on my partner wanting it, that that is real security. It's like I don't always have to be the instigator. I don't always have to be the one who, you know, puts all the energy into it and creates it. I'm there is some security in just thinking, okay, I have a partner who wants it too and so I can relax a little bit. Right. Yeah, I'll never forget as a new couples therapist, I had two couples in a row where the men really got turned on by watching their wife have sex with someone else. Uh-huh. And like, I had no, I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, what is that about? Like that would, it just, I couldn't even compute that. And right? are, are, are you saying that they got turned on by the fantasy of that? No, they, they actually watched their wife have sex with, with someone else. else. Okay. They'd be in a closet or something else. And hey, everybody's entitled to whatever they, they what turns them on. I was just okay. trying to understand. Okay. I didn't get it. But what they were able to explain to me that really made it, it's like, their wives wanted to have sex for themselves. That's why they were in those moments. And that was the biggest turn on for them, that they wanted sex for themselves. And I think that's women, men, 
trends. It don't make a difference. It, that turns us all on when we're with somebody who wants sex for themselves, not doing it for a favor for us. So yes, I think it's a great question. I think so much of what we're trying to do in this podcast is try to come up with answers to that, to invite people into, you know, wanting more from their sex lives. Like, it's a beautiful thing, but I'm, it's blocked in yeah, a lot of people. It is. It is. And, and I just want to say, we're not trying to suggest that watching your partner have sex with somebody else is the way to go here. You're just talking about what you have, how, think, how that translated to you in terms of this, the same meaning, like yes. somebody wanting to have sex for themselves. That was what they believed they saw was their, their wife unleashed, right? Exactly. With me, she's all inhibited, but maybe with somebody else, she's going to let go of all those inhibitions and just go for it. And, and I would get to see that. I do think, and I, you know, work with people that have all kinds of fantasies and certainly as well have had all kinds of experiences. But in terms of how to go forward, I think this is what they're asking for is I, I want to see the part of you that is mm -hmm. uninhibited, that is kind of into pleasure. What is that like? And I see so many people who maybe go through divorce later on in life and they have been inhibited in their marriage and suddenly they have a new lease on their sex life and they're like you know what i'm done with that i'm done with being afraid i'm too fat i'm done with being afraid of asking for what i want i'm i'm just gonna go for it i'm gonna do all the things that i didn't do in my marriage and you know what like lo and behold they have hot sex yeah it's like yeah because they drop some of that inhibition and those messages that say they shouldn't focus on it so it is interesting that one man's fantasy is another man's nightmare, right? Having your wife have sex with someone else. So we're, we're all different and, and we're here just to kind of invite people into conversation so they become clearer. But as you're telling your story, Lori, about, you know, these divorced ladies in your example, really to me, that's the pivot. Like they shift. They were in one position where they were more inhibited and, you know, having sex for their partner. And all of a sudden, the dating or something causes them to pivot and kind of want it for themselves. So, like, how do you facilitate? That's his question. How do you encourage? How do you inspire that shift? In your partner. In your partner. Yeah. And we know that the sexual attachment often gets bound up in the negative cycle, right? In mm -hmm. the negative sexual attachment cycle. So, it's like the more he pushes and says, no, I really want you to focus on yourself. I really want to know what brings you pleasure. I really want you to do this. The more somehow or another, she probably shuts down and she's like, I, I don't masturbate. I don't think about myself. I just want to be here for you. And again, women often do feel desire after they get aroused. So it might be true that before that moment, she's not as good at thinking about what she wants but then when she's in it she's like okay I'm, I'm glad I'm doing it I'm feeling pleasure I do feel desire now right but then getting somebody to talk about that well I, I like what you're saying looking for those exceptions to celebrate instead of pointing out what typically happens yeah. right so if 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 in this example the lady does show desire does express something sexually like, how do you not write afterwards, but at some point say, hey, you know, I thought that was really so cool how you did that, mm -hmm. right? That, that was just fun watching you kind of express your needs. Nice. Mm -hmm. 
boom, done. Just, just, just these little kind of planted encouragement. seeds. Encouragement. Instead of saying, why don't you always do that? Why haven't you told me that before? You know, can't you, can't you do more of that? Which is going to just squash their own part, that their, their revelation. Yeah, it's set up, and that's why it's helpful to see the dynamics. I mean, the person who's put in the role of the pursuer often doesn't realize how critical they are because their criticism is their hope. Well, you know, if I could just get you to see, like, if you would just be more intentional, and it's like relentless with the message that they're doing it wrong. So the opposite of the message of failure is success. Yeah, and it's hard for a lot of pursuers to believe in that because they tr- have tried it. Right. But it's, you know, they tried one or two exceptions with a thousand criticisms. Right. It's about changing those numbers. I didn't say that the last time I asked her. I promise you I didn't. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, but the 30 times before, you know, you expressed your discontent with the way things are. And so she's kind of her body is remembering all those other 30 times of being criticized or thinks she's being criticized. I, I do know people who are more oriented sexually about making the relationship happy. And, and I can, I totally get how that would be disappointing as a sexual partner. I do. But on the other hand, sometimes I think, could, could that gift be accepted some of the time for them without mm-hmm. the pressure of they got to focus on pleasure? You know, like, I mean, you can feel him, right? Just, I, I can imagine this guy's pressure and, you know, what if she didn't want to have an orgasm that time? Mm-hmm. And it's like, then at the end of it, she's disappointed him. You know, sometimes she's got to win and feel, you know, like he gets her. Like, it was beautiful, honey, that you wanted to be with me. I loved being close. I had a, you know, great orgasm myself and just love your willing body. That was beautiful. So that mm-hmm. she can have, you know, some of the pressure gone from always maybe having to focus on herself. But I, I do get his desire for it. And we're trying on both sides, right? To pursue or try to give messages, less criticism, more success, more positive. But what do we say to these withdrawers that really would be helpful if they let us into their process, you know, to be able to say, you know what, that really worked for me to be receptive and, you know, to find myself afterwards knowing you had an orgasm and, you know, I helped with that. And then I had an orgasm. Like, like, they don't often talk about their process. Mm-hmm. And I think that would really do a lot for helping that pursuer mm-hmm. kind of know what's going on because so often they feel shut out. They don't understand what turns you on, what turns you off, what's happening. So how do we invite these withdrawers to see, you know, just talking about you is so important to this process. Mm-hmm. I love what you're saying. If they could just open up even a little bit, not necessarily this is the technique that's going to get me over the edge, but just, you know, this is how I feel when I'm with you. I feel really relaxed. I love your skin. I love the smell of you. There's there's this warmth that I feel, this intimacy, and and that may be all I'm going for. You know, I'm tired end of the day, but yeah, I want to be with you and it feels really good. I think that that would help give the pursuer success as well. Like I made you happy. My desire, my arousal was fine. And and it, it made you happy versus the only way you get happy is if you come to, or you you're into it as much. It's like, you know, use that image of trying to climb the hill, right. For Mm -hmm. a withdrawer to talk about that. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get turned on. 
I don't know if I'm going to reach an orgasm. And like I go on this ride hoping, but being ready to not to get too disappointed. Mm -hmm. And then, holy cow, I get there. Like, what is it like to get there? Can you just share that process? Like, how cool would that be for a pursuer to be like, so you get there and it's like, yes. And like, it's like, what happens to you in that? Yes. Like, that's the space we want to grow. Right. But they yes. never really talk about that. Yes. Like, it's just like, yeah, it's here. They just, woof. you can just feel that kind of release. And then it's like the tension's gone and they're just in the moment and the magic is happening. Like, and like, it's a cool process. And I can hear kind of how good that would feel to hear from a withdrawing partner, just how wonderful it is to hear a little bit about the erotic self. That's maybe what yeah. he's asking. It's maybe it's not, maybe he asks questions that are technique focused, but really hearing about the mind, like, okay, this is, this is sexy to me. This is what happened. This is my magic. You know, that would be very exciting to hear as yeah. a partner. And it's a win-win for the withdrawer to know themselves better to know like what happens for them when they get over the mountain, right? And how, like put words to that. I mean, words are powerful. They really allow you to understand and have a better chance of it happening the next time. I mean, there's so much there that comes with addressing something instead of just kind of pushing past it and just avoiding it. Exactly. And come join us on our weekend, Great Sex, Great Love in May. I mean, this is exactly what we're doing in conversation is like, exploring many aspects of sexual feelings, you know, our emotions, our spirit, our erotic thoughts and imaginations. Like, how do we bring all of this self to it? And I think as a withdrawer, you know, you are committed to a sexual relationship. So yep. most relationships need work. And sex is no different. I mean, we it is not something that just comes naturally. It's something that we have to work at all our lives and grow and develop personally you know right. what makes what turns me on what makes me feel sexy sexual do i know am i curious about what my partner is if you don't have any curiosity about yourself could you get curious about your partner like what mm -hmm. is it like for them you know even if you're asking the pursuer to hey tell me about your orgasm baby you know what's it all about that would that would be a way to participate in the erotic relationship with curiosity and that would be wonderful all right Let's come back and talk more about this. Hey, don't forget to check out uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay. It really helps us to support the podcast and keep delivering free content. Thanks so much. Lori, really excited about the Success and Vulnerability Project. We are really pushing the leading edges of therapy and breaking down the process and in moments, session by session, choice points. Why does this work? What intervention are you using? If it works, what do you do next? I mean, this is the next level for therapists. If you want to up your game, you want to see real clinical examples, you want to break down the process, you want demonstrations, you want teaching. I mean, it's all there. Really exciting, good stuff. It is. I love it. It is good. I love what you guys do teaching and the demonstrations. They're fun, they're funny, and they're really helpful to my work. So this is training for therapists. If you'd like this training, go to successinvulnerability.com. It's all one word, successinvulnerability.com. All right, Lori. So what I think would also be helpful in this conversation is what blocks the expression we always talk about the gas pedal being desire and the brakes being turnoffs. 
There's so much focus on trying to get people in touch with their desire that the pursuers are often oblivious to the breaks. Right. How about, you know, talking about your withdrawal partner about that? Like, what are some of the things that I do that could help, you know, not turn you off? You know, can I do the dishes? You know, can we do it during the morning? Can we make sure the kids are bad? Can we like, I want to help you with the things that are stopping the expression of your desire. It's not all about new moves and turn-ons. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I, I think that that would be good as a pursuer. You know, I know sometimes pursuers have said that, like, look, at I took them on a date. I did the whole seduction thing. I made sure the kids were at our mother's and still didn't want it. You know, so there's a lot of resistance in pursuers for doing the things that will help. I, I have found, uh, but I, I love the whole idea. It's like, yeah. Well, sometimes it's safer for a withdrawer to talk about what blocks it than what they want. So it's a good yes. starting point. Oh, to, I love know, that. Strategy. Strategy. Tell me the things that I do that kind of get in the way. Yeah. But we have to be willing. Notice who the focus is on. Right. We have to be willing to take that criticism without getting defensive. Right? Yes. You, well, ne- well, you never do the dishes. You leave me to do the dishes all the time. You never put the kids to bed. It's like, oh, okay. So helping you with these chores kind of frees up your space. You know, me taking a bigger part of the, putting the kids to bed. That would really help. Like, woof. This, we're inviting people into a fight, George. Yes. It's so counterintuitive and yet so important to recognize which drawers often don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. They don't want to escalate things. They don't want to make things worse. Mm-hmm. So they, they stuff things. And the stuffing things is what starts to block them from engaging. So pursue and knowing, wait a second, if they have a voice, even if they're saying something I don't like to hear, that is so much better than saying nothing at all. It's allowing these things out and instead of having them build up. Mm-hmm. It's like a relief valve. So yes, even if your withdrawer says, you know what, you're selfish. It's always about you. It's it's never about me. Like that is actually really healthy for them to talk about. That if you could give them the space to do that, if you could become a champion of that voice, you're going to get more of that sexual energy freed up. Mm-hmm. Right, because withdrawers typically are using a ton of energy to keep down conflict. And yeah, I agree. And And then- how would we turn the conversation to, is there anything that does work for you? Because so many withdrawers are going to say, what, George? Yeah, I get it. I don't I, know. But the, I don't know. The withdrawer is waiting. I don't know what turns me on. I've never withdrawer, thought about it. Yeah, but the withdrawer is waiting for that. It's like, yeah, you're going to do all this other talk at the front end because you've got an agenda and eventually you're going to get to me and what I'm not doing, right? Isn't the conversation always going there? Yes. Okay, let, so let's do that conversation. All right. Do you want to be the withdrawer or the pursuer? I'll be the withdrawer. Okay, so what am I going to call you? Um, Oscar. Oscar works. Oscar. Oscar, you know, I've been thinking about our sex life, and I know that this is really a sensitive topic between us, and sometimes, you know, we get into big fights here, so I'm sure me even just talking about it is like, uh-oh, your body must be screaming, this is dangerous territory. But Here we go. <laughs> right, exactly. Here we go. But I was hoping to have a different conversation with you, and I know there are things that get in the way. That I do, you know, and I, I guess I'm just wondering, could you maybe let me in on the things that I'm doing that block you or that 
don't turn you on or turn you off or something mm-hmm. so that at least on my end I can clean up my act and you know okay. know some constructive moods. Do you really want to hear? I I do, and I I am really wanting to stay open and. I know it's scary to tell me things that might be critical or maybe that you think I don't want to hear. And and I, I can tell you, you know, yeah, there's a part of me that's a little scared, but I'm committed to not reacting. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of times you don't do a good job of listening, of really kind of showing me you're interested in engaging. It's like you just want to have sex and like I don't feel connected to you. I don't feel like we're on the same page and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to get there. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when I maybe are perfunctorily listening to you, you kind of feel put off and not like I've connected or cared about you maybe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then if I want to transition that night just to sex for you, I can imagine you know, that, it's not really sex together. It's just maybe it feels like I just want my body relieved. Yeah, it feels like I'm being used. And I know you're not trying to do that. And we've been having these conversations. I know it means a lot more than just an orgasm for you. But, it, you know, it feels like you had a lot of opportunities to know me, and connect mm-hmm. with me, and you didn't take it. And now you want to take it. And mm-hmm. even though I've said that doesn't work so well for me, it keeps happening. Yeah. And... That word that you use is, it feels really powerful. I can feel like it hits my stomach. You feel used. Ooh, that is not a good feeling. Can you tell me more about what it's like when you don't feel connected with me and you feel like I'm just using you? I mean, it would almost be easy if you weren't interested and just be not interested across the board. But, you know, when you're not interested in the areas that really matter to me, and then all of a sudden you are interested in this physical thing. You know, it feels like, you know, it just feels bad. Because I, I know if I don't, you're going to be upset. But if I do, I kind of feel bad about myself. And I mean, it's just, it's loaded for me. So if you don't, then have sex with me. Maybe it won't go good between the two of us. I'll be upset. But if you do, when you don't feel connected already, you don't feel good about you. And that that maybe accounts for sometimes when it doesn't go so well for us because you really you can't get there. You can't can't be engaged because you're not feeling good about yourself doing it when you don't really want to, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I'm allowing myself to be treated that way. Baby, that is not good. I'm sorry. I can feel that. I, I so don't want that for you. Is there anything else you can tell me? Just like, I don't know, any incident where recently you had sex and you really didn't want to and I had ignored you? or See, I think it was really powerful. And this is where the pursuer, we're pausing this, has to okay. stop pushing, yeah. right? But that, like, if it felt like you were really wanting to know me uh-huh. in this place that's hard for me. And you were keeping the focus on that. And, and that, that felt really good. Right. Uh-huh. So as a pursuer, how do you, that's how do I know when Im- to quit? Yeah. Well, quit that was really, really important. What I just shared when, when you go to something else, it feels like, Oh, that wasn't enough, I guess. All right. What uh-huh. else do we want to share now? And 
you know, it just feels like another pressure. But that God, part so that smart, really, yeah. that that felt really good. That you were you were really wanting to know me there. Like you, I felt like you were getting my dilemma, and you weren't defending yourself. You were just giving me the space, and it was allowing me to feel my own dilemma more. Like I have good reasons why this is a hard spot for me. Mm-hmm. And I often don't talk about it, but it felt like in talking about it, I, I was having a little bit of success, which I think was was really crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how do I know as a pursuer that that's like enough? How can I? How can I? I mean, in that conversation, even I would have wanted to keep going, and obviously, I am a pursuer. So, how do I? Like and it worse than just keep going. Eventually, we'd want to get to a place. All right, now what turns you on? And my brain just can't make a shift from I just bared my soul and I let you into my deepest fear. And now we want to switch missions and go to start talking about my desires. And I'm like, it feels it's too big of a stretch for my brain to make. Yeah, these are separate conversations is what you're saying. We need yeah. to separate what are the blocks from what are the turn ons. And I think I think if your goal going in is is like let me show interest and know a part of my partner that normally I don't know, and when I get that to celebrate that, I'm done. The mission accomplished, mm-hmm. right? I think it, it manages. I know I could be a sexual pursuer too. So again, that that impulse is like, all right, now that we got this chance, let's just keep going. Like, all right, we finally got this openness, like oxygen. Let's just keep breathing. Like, so I get the impulse, but I, it felt good as a withdrawer to be like, wait a second, you know, this was huge, and we're blowing past it. Right, right. So we need to give like each aspect of what our partner is responding to just some space to mm-hmm. be in and also i think knowing that our withdrawing partner this i imagine for this oscar it was really difficult to say all that you know that person risked a lot by mm-hmm. offering a little bit of criticism about what they felt how they didn't feel connected and also not only did they not feel connected to their partner but they talked about how they feel bad about themselves when they go ahead and do it when they are not connected. So, right. I mean, they're really sharing something vulnerable there about the view of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I was actually channeling like a, a Mary, not an Oscar, but it doesn't matter the gender, whatever that role is, is a withdrawer where you just kind of pull inward. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it would be really helpful in showing interest if that is the, the goal that once we've done it to shift towards kind of highlighting thank you for that the success for that which you're touching that place and you were telling me it feels so bad and you don't want me to feel that way and that felt good mm-hmm. you know i think would have also helped me to be able to say and thank you for taking that risk you know that was that was that was brave you normally don't do that it feels like i know you better and i want to know more of you mm-hmm. so thank you for that right you know that that Trying to give that success. Yeah, honoring their vulnerability, thanking them for telling us something that might have been difficult and might have blown up between us in the past, but they they took the risks. Yeah, and you did a great job of being open and curious and keeping the focus on me, not allowing those triggers to get your brain say, wait a second, I wouldn't do that if you would just do this. And like that, Uh that's it. it, Don't start this conversation with the withdrawer if you can't ground yourself and put yourself in a place where the mission is understanding your part. And it's not about you. If you want it to be about you, that's a different conversation. Right, exactly. We're on mission. 
we're on mission. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for working with us and writing in and picking our brains. We appreciate you coming our way with these questions. We might not always have the answers, but that makes the questions even more valuable. Right? How do we encourage more of these conversations? Let's figure this out. If you're listening, you have some great ideas, send them our way. Let's share these ideas with each other. Getting withdrawers to want to do it for themselves is so important. And we need as much help in this area as possible. So and, help us. And getting pursuers to honor their partners coming forward. So important. So that yes. it doesn't wind up in the negative cycle all the time. Okay. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media.